All right. Well, uh, this morning, I was asked to give an update. I have an opportunity to uh, preach next week, but I did want to uh, just very briefly look at Acts 14, 24 through 28. Acts 14, uh, 24 through 28 uh, really sets the example for what I'm doing today and what Dan will be doing a little bit of uh, during the course of his uh, preaching. There's a, a privilege uh, that we have this morning uh, to, to participate in a practice that has been going on for uh, nearly 2,000 years, Acts 14, 24 through 28. Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia. And from there, they, that is uh, Paul and Barnabas, sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles, and they remained no little time with the disciples. Uh, what we see here is actually a pattern uh, that uh, emerges in the book of Acts of accountability to local churches. Uh, the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ, go make disciples of all nations, is carried out within the book of Acts through local churches sending missionaries and missionaries planting local churches and returning to the local churches that sent them and seeing uh, and, and sharing how God has, has been at work. So that's uh, really why I'm here. Uh, that's why we've uh, kind of pulled up roots uh, from where we live in Nairobi, Kenya, uh, to share with you how God has been at work uh, among us. Just, uh, just to start, I know that uh, this, there are uh, folks here who, for whom uh, my face is not familiar. Uh, so I'll start from the beginning and, and catch folks up as, uh, as we go. Some of you are very familiar with our ministry and have been uh, with us since before we even left uh, for Nairobi. Uh, Lord willing, this year, uh, if we make it to August, we'll be crossing our 10-year uh, anniversary in, in Kenya, and Crossway has been with us since before that time, so we're very grateful for faithful partnership in the gospel. Starting with uh, Nairobi, I've, I've uh, enjoyed telling people and seeing their reaction that if you, if you think of mud huts, if you're thinking of Kenya, you're thinking the entirely wrong picture. In fact, I, I would think that'd be easier to start with Wakanda and work a little bit backward rather than starting with the mud huts and trying to catch up from, from there. It's uh, a city that has been uh, technologically uh, invested for quite some time. It, its economy is one that is definitely uh, centered in, in the, the tech sector. Uh, it's 4.3 million people in the city, so it's about the same size as a San Francisco or Houston or Denver metro, uh, that, about that size. And that's about, uh, and, that's, and that's of 53 million people in Kenya. So 4.3 of the 53 million are there in the capital city of 
Nairobi. Education is done almost entirely in English, which is an advantage for us since we speak English. So that, that works out very well. Of course, there, there are a lot of adaptations. There's a, a mix between British English and American English uh, due to various phases of Western influence in Eastern Africa. Some, some people will say lift, some people will say elevator, some people will say boot, and the boot is, which one is that, the trunk? Um, so yeah, so there's, there's uh, a mix and a kind of a back and forth between American and, and British English. And of course, uh, the uh, eternal frustration of my fellow Kenyans is that um, Google and Siri cannot interpret their accents. Um, it's very difficult. Uh, it's, a, it's a very different, I should say, very different accent uh, from our own. So we have a good time going back and forth trying to, to figure one another out. Uh, but I am able to get by in English uh, for the education that I, that I do. Uh, one statistic that's very surprising for Kenya is that as people have been interviewed as far as their religious affiliation is concerned, 80% of Kenyans claim the name of Christ. 80%. If you're, if you're walking along the street, um, 1 in 10 will be Muslim, 1 in 10 will be something else, 8 out of 10 will claim the name of Christ. And while that includes many uh, Roman Catholics, uh, Ethiopian Orthodox, and others, there are 49% who claim to be born again, evangelical. Now, that is a staggering uh, statistic and one that is actually quite surprising. It gives you an idea of what, what sharing the gospel is, is like. Uh, perhaps uh, the closest equivalent that we have here in the United States would be the Bible Belt. Uh, going going uh, to share the gospel in areas like this is often 80% of the task is getting people unsaved. That is, that is to say, helping them to realize that their understanding of the gospel is faulty and is actually leading them to, on the path of destruction, and that their hope is in some form of works religion or in speaking in tongues or in uh, material gain and not actually in uh, the name of, of Jesus and what he has accomplished on the cross for us. As, uh, as a pastor at the church that we are in, uh, it's one of my responsibilities and, uh, and delights oftentimes is to, to ask people to summarize for me in their own words how they came to be a Christian and what is the gospel. And... and with, on the grounds of our church, we've gotten answers uh, like, oh, I, I love gospel music. Or, or, of course, the gospel is the Bible. As, well, okay, the, the whole Bible points to the gospel. That's, I'm not, I'm not going to argue with you about that. But an omer is one-tenth of an ephah, is Bible, but is not the gospel. So you haven't really helped me understand what your understanding of the gospel is if you say the Bible in answer to what, what is the gospel. 
Often people will know that in some sort of way, Jesus did something that had something to do with sin. And, and sometimes we get answers that will include, because Jesus died, I have stopped sinning. Answers that we have heard in uh, trying to minister the gospel in, uh, in Nairobi, Kenya. So vast uh, misunderstanding. And we'll get to more of that as we, as we continue. Uh, despite the fact that 49% of Kenyans uh, claim the name evangelical or born-again Christian, there are 33 unreached people groups. So an unreached people group, this is a, a distinguishable ethnic community within, uh, within Kenya. Uh, ethnographers have identified 110 people groups within Kenya uh, so distinct that the gospel has difficulty spreading from one to another. Uh, sometimes, the, sometimes the barriers are linguistic. You, they don't understand Swahili or English or one of the main uh, vernacular tongues. Or uh, sometimes the barriers are cultural or, or caste-oriented. That you are not allowed to speak to those people uh, because you're outside of the caste or outside of the, the, the class of people. But for whatever reasons, there are boundaries that keep 33 people, people groups, um, away from the gospel. So there's a significant need for pioneer missions even within the country of, of Kenya. And yet in the city of Nairobi, uh, we enjoy uh, quite a bit of familiarity with the name of Jesus. But this has been colored with a, a great degree of false teaching. Some false teaching, uh, Pastor Mark mentioned as he was, as he was praying, uh, some false teaching includes the prosperity gospel. Uh, best sellers in Nairobi, Kenya. Best sellers, period. Not best sellers in the religion section, or bestsellers in the self-help section include uh, The Power of I Am and, and your, your Best Life Now. Uh, T.D. Jakes, Joel Osteen are extreme, extremely popular. These are our teachers who may, uh, on our side, uh, we just kind of chuckle and dismiss, but are taken very seriously on, uh, on that side and are often heard uh, as voices who speak the word of God with authority. So we've, as, a, as an American missionary, I feel like we've, we've got some cleanup work to do. Uh, we have exported a gospel that's leading people to hell. If you're leading your best life now, then you have nothing left on the other side. And so we have, some, we have some work to do. Another theological problem in our area is, is something I struggle to find a name for, but I have heard called man of God theology. Man of God theology. And that is to say, uh, it go, often goes right along with uh, prosperity gospel or word of faith teaching. And that is to say that the man of God, the person who stands up front on Sundays is somebody who may not be criticized, critiqued, or 
in any form uh, disrespected, lest you yourself receive the curse of God upon you. Now, I think in American culture, we have a very strong anti-authority strain. And in fact, it's, it's, I would say that it's unhealthy on that side, that uh, we cringe when we look at the word submit when it comes up in our New Testaments, whether that's uh, to, our, to our local authorities, to our pastors, to our husbands. However that comes up in the New Testament, uh, we, we often will cringe at that. And yet, I, I, there is certainly a danger on the other side where authority is not used for the sake of the flourishing of those who are governed, but instead is used purely for the self-centered benefit of those who are being ruled. Uh, Third John talks about Diotrephes, who loves to be first. And in that way, he pictures an anti-Christ. Christ came and Christ gave himself. Right? He was made uh, in, the, in the form of a servant. And, uh, and he submitted himself, suffered death and shame for our sake. And he's the ruler of the universe. He's holding the universe together. And God has highly exalted him. And even though he stands highly exalted, given the name that is above every name, he offers us not only condemnation, but forgiveness in his, in his name. So this uh, man of God theology uh, presents a view of authority that on the last day, I believe, God will abominate. On that, on that final day, uh, those who embrace a, a kind of theology uh, that abuses spiritual authority uh, will stand under God's condemnation. It's a very serious set of, of errors and uh, something that's very common that we face uh, in, in Kenya. I think probably uh, the deepest problem, uh, the, the soil in which man of God theology um, and, and prosperity, gospel teaching, the soil in which that grows is nominal Christianity. While 49% uh, say that they are born again, and 80% say that they, or would claim the name of Christ, say that they are Christian, 7% attend church regularly. So country, countrywide, there's an issue of, yes, I, I believe in Jesus. I follow Jesus. Whatever, whatever that means to them, it doesn't mean committed belonging to a community of people who are learning together to observe everything that Jesus commanded, as he says, as Jesus commands us in Matthew chapter 28. Uh, we have a nationwide defection. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, the book of Hebrews says. And unfortunately, what we have is uh, an abandonment. And just like it says in the book of Hebrews, those who uh, so failed to draw near to Christ have never truly been planted in him, uh, Hebrews 3. So uh, the responsibility 
for curbing false teaching actually belongs to congregations. It's you guys. If, uh, if, the, if the pastor of this church abandons the gospel, it's your job either by your feet uh, or by your vote to, to get rid of false teaching. And so that's why I say that the soil in which these false teaching, in which this false teaching is growing is actually the, the soil of nominal Christianity. So major, um, major issue there. In recent days, and this is an update for those of you who have been following our, our ministry for some time, in recent days, there's been a me- uh, measurable resurgence of traditional religions within, within Kenya. Uh, that is to say, an anti-colonial feeling. You, uh, and the word is mzungu, uh, you, you white folks, you Europeans, you Americans, you have brought in your religion. And we would rather leave that behind and go back to the traditional religions. Uh, these uh, religions are actually centered on a mountain in, uh, in Kenya called Mount Kenya. There are taller mountains uh, within Kenya, but the religious, um, the religious traditions of the area center on, on this mountain. And there has been a resurgence of that. And I think, I think the reason for that is that there's a disillusionment. If you've been promised again and again and again, if you just believe, if you just believe, you'll be healthy. If you just believe, your wife won't miscarry. If you just believe, you'll be, your crops will not, will not fail. If you just believe, the rain will indeed come in time. If you fast and pray, you will get that promotion. And the thing is that God doesn't promise any of those things. And biblical Christianity is clear that those things are not promises. But the prosperity gospel sets out this uh, glittering and, and uh, pretty promise. And when people don't receive what has been promised again and again and again, they watch their parents grow up without ever receiving the promise. Eventually, something's got to give. And what we see is people abandoning, abandoning Christianity for tr- traditional religions. There's also been a measurable uptick in uh, atheism and agnosticism. These have become recognized groups uh, within Kenya only in the, in the 10 years that we've been there. Uh, this has been uh, a recent development. At, at times, it would have been so taboo, so unlucky to say that you didn't believe in God because God's going to get you if you say that you don't believe in God. So, so the cultural Christianity kind of pushed down any, uh, any local uh, atheistic or agnostic uh, movements. And there's something to be grateful for there, and yet the, the Christianity that they were offering was not biblical Christianity, and so it's really no wonder that it could not hold on to uh, the folks that it had uh, gained through empty promises. There are 80,000 Christian congregations in Kenya, according to a, a statistic that I was looking 
uh, at this, this morning. And so many of them, the, the extent of training that the leaders of those churches receive come from Trinity Broadcasting Network, come from uh, Word of Faith uh, teachers, name it and claim it, uh, decree and declare. Those are, are catchwords uh, that are extremely common within, uh, within Kenyan uh, Christianity. So it's our belief uh, that we can help. It's our belief that, uh, that the development of leaders and healthy congregations can help in the, in the wasteland that Nairobi uh, Kenyan Christianity is, is becoming. Uh, so there's two specific ways uh, that the, the Pitsleys are helping. Uh, let me pause to introduce um, the Pitsleys uh, before, before we move, uh, go on. My wife Jenny is here. Uh, we actually get to have my family here. I've, I've visited hmm, maybe four or five times in the last uh, two years without them. Uh, so I'm grateful this time to have my, my family. Uh, Jenny and I met in college and... Um, got married in between uh, college and, and grad school. I received my MDiv and THM from Detroit, which is the same school uh, Pastor Mark went to. Our oldest, Josiah, is 17. Our middle-born, uh, middle Jonas, is 13. And uh, Jamin is 11. And we're grateful for them. Uh, they're doing online homeschooling. And Jenny, uh, Jenny runs that and makes sure that they stay accountable, uh, cracks the whip for them, and also augments with quite a bit of, of reading and literature and those kinds of things that the online school um, doesn't have in as great abundance. They love, we love, as a family, we love reading together. Uh, the boys uh, love Terraria, Minecraft, a few other video games, so if those are up your alley, uh, I'm sure they would really have a blast um, enjoying some time with you on that. This, so the Pitsleys have been sent um, with a view to helping these, um, uh, this, helping these issues in Kenyan uh, Christianity. The two ways that we are most significantly involved in that are uh, a pastoral role, and uh, East and and seminary. Uh, so many of you were aware of East Africa Baptist School of Theology. Uh, Dan Huffstetler, who'll be preaching today, was uh, the leader of that. Uh, I taught with uh, the school from 2014 to 2020. Uh, theological education, we believe, is a very significant part of the solution. Uh, Titus chapter one talks about how false teaching was upsetting whole households. And for, uh, for a solution, Paul uh, commissioned Titus to ordain elders in every town who were able to encourage people in sound doctrine and refute those who contradict it. So that's exact. I see that, that verse, Titus 1.9, as, as essentially what uh, what we're doing in, in Kenya. 
or addressing the, the problem of false teaching, which is upsetting whole households, by equipping men, qualified, godly, good, talented men, uh, equipping them to exhort in sound doctrine and refute those who contradict it. Uh, since, uh, since COVID, uh, EAPST has, has shut down several, um, uh, there's several reasons for that. One of the reasons was um, there was an ongoing desire that we would be uh, the kind of school that was local church driven. Uh, but the, the further we got on in the process of trying to integrate with the local church where uh, we held our classes, uh, the more we realized that for it to be local church driven, it actually kind of has to be local church started. Uh, so our um, uh, so we allowed Eapst uh, uh, to uh, to move on. I believe uh, Dan is still working in some areas uh, in in upcountry Kenya as well as Uganda with some Eapst uh, related initiatives. We still have uh, a website, still have a Facebook page. There's still a, a few students, Kenyan students, who are joining, but I'm no longer um, uh, working directly with EBST, and it's no longer uh, no longer functioning as a day-to-day -day seminary as it as it had been. Uh, so after EBST, it's interesting. We had uh, we were right in the middle of COVID uh, when when we closed down uh, when we closed down EBST. Uh, so there wasn't really any opportunity for in-person teaching anyway. Uh, during that time, I started a uh, pursuit of a PhD uh, for myself uh, for, uh, in Old Testament to, to help uh, the work there to continue to sharpen my uh, skill set, to sharpen my tools uh, for the task of training people uh, for gospel ministry. And during that time... Uh, we began to uh, start work for a, an a EBC-initiated uh, seminary. So, uh, the next year, 20, let's see, 2022, uh, we began a, a, a residency where essentially we, we picked five guys and said, we'll pay your way, get and they were the seed for a new seminary. Uh, we paid them at a level where they could support a family um, and, and have some, some basic needs met. Uh, really, you needed another income uh, to do well in, in the setup that we have, but at least you didn't have to uh, scrounge to, to pay the bills and to put food on the table while you were going to school. And so we did that as the, the seed uh, for the seminary, and, and for, for one year, that was their full-time job, go to school. They really, they had maybe eight hours a week of, of other elder-related meetings, a uh, few responsibilities here and there, but essentially, uh, for this one year, their job was to go to school. And that, that enabled us to get a leg up in starting a seminary. Uh, at the beginning of this year, 2023, uh, a new seminary call, uh, called, actually, Nairobi Institute of Reformed Theology. I don't know if that name will stick. It's still new. Uh, but a seminary uh, under Ecclesia, 
uh, which, is, which is a ministry I'll talk about in just a moment, has, has just begun. Uh, so this, this semester we had uh, 25 students uh, enroll in, in the seminary. So we're off, we're off to a good start. Things are beginning to, uh, beginning to, to grow, and, uh, and we, we pray that the Lord would uh, continue to cause those uh, works to flourish for the sake of the church in Kenya. The other major way that I invest, as I said, the nominal Christianity is a, is a significant part of the problem. It's the ground in which these, um, these false teaching, uh, this false teaching grows, uh, which means my role as a pastor is very significant as well. Uh, Jenny and I are involved in a lot of uh, couples counseling. Uh, I'm in uh, several regular uh, counseling uh, meetings uh, per week. That is a, a significant part of my pastoral ministry. I'm also, uh, I'm also involved in teaching and, and uh, some preaching. And I function and will, con- will begin to function more as the elders representative uh, with the, the seminary. As I said, we, we have always wanted a church-driven uh, school. Uh, so that's, that's going to be uh, brought about in part by having an elder as, as one, of the, uh, one of the faculty members. A third, uh, more minor role that I've had and will, uh, will have perhaps even a little bit more is a ministry that you've supported here at, um, here at Crossway, and that is uh, Ecclesia. Ecclesia is a, a publishing uh, ministry. Uh, I, the last I was looking, I think they had uh, 30, 37-something titles. They're continuing to, uh, continuing to grow, continuing to get copyrights for stateside books uh, to print there. Uh, continuing to work to produce their own works. Uh, the vision there is to equip pastors uh, at the grassroots level all over the country. So there are uh, dozens, over a hundred uh, groups of, of pastors studying uh, these uh, studying books that Ecclesia publishes. Uh, these are books that will help them with their preaching. Uh, books that will give them a vision for church membership and church discipline, uh, uh, books that will equip pastors to address the issue of nominal Christianity, to engage Christ's disciples in building up Christ's body. So there's a, a, a printing ministry that I'll be involved in, uh, Lord willing, uh, especially in seeing a, a new Swahili Bible translation uh, produced. That's something that we're, uh, that we're working on in a specific project uh, that I will be involved in, uh, Lord willing. We'll see, we'll see how that goes. That's at the very beginning stages. So I've taken up uh, most of my time, uh, but I'd be happy to uh, address any questions that you may have. And uh, please do be patient with me remembering folks' names uh, co- going in and out I'm sure there are many names that I've heard multiple times, and uh, we'll need to hear another multiple um, times before, I, uh, before it sticks, um, but I would love to get to know you and address any questions. Any questions that you feel would be helpful for us as a group?
Yeah, that's a very good question on the question of resistance. So uh, the answer is yes, but not overt resistance. So uh, I, the Basels will, will tell you this as well. Uh, Kenya is a very open, very welcoming, very warm culture. And you will very rarely, very, very rarely get contradicted, unless you've really upset somebody. Um, you, you will not get contradicted, especially with this man of God ideology, um, especially if they find out I'm a pastor. Um, like the outward resistance um, is going to be very uncommon. That's going to be something that, that we, don't, uh, we don't get very often. But that doesn't mean that you've, you, you, you've won your audience, right? Uh, so they will be polite, they will be kind, they'll, you know, nod their head and smile, um, but you haven't actually made progress. One thing that can be helpful is, is asking them questions, kind of committing them to a position, figuring out where they are, and then, and then you know how to, to shepherd things kindly, gently, but boldly uh, toward a more biblical position. Uh, because if you, if you just come out and say it first, then you won't know you know, where things actually are because there will just be an, an agreement. But just to give you an idea of what witnessing is like, I remember we uh, was on a hop- hospital visit and I hopped into a taxi uh, on the way home and the taxi driver said, um, do you think global warming is a judgment from God? Huh. Well, I don't know about global warming, but I can tell you about a judgment from God, and you know, obviously, there's a there's a a, an, a kind of leap into a gospel presentation that you feel like if you didn't take it, I mean, what kind of disciple are you if you don't take that opportunity? It's just like right in your in your lap, right? So I I will get into a an Uber here and feel much more intimidated about sharing the gospel, like the the spiritual antagonism toward Christianity, I feel at least the overt kind is much stronger here. But whether it's overt or not, we're, we're all em- enemies of God without, without God's reconciling work in Christ. With, we're dead in trespasses and sins and headed for God's wrath. Whether, whether we do it with a smile, smiling face and a polite voice or whether we're yelling at people and, and, and pointing fingers, folks are headed for hell. And, and so there's, there's a real need for, for boldness, gentleness, and wisdom in both of those situations. Yeah, great question. Others? Yes. Oh, uh, yeah, I don't really know what the Basels are facing. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, as, far as, as far as Kenyan children. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. That's a, that's a good question. So... Uh, have, you have to adjust expectations uh, when you're going to a country whose uh, median age is 18. 
versus, uh, versus United States, which is 35. So when you talk about the children, you're talking about everybody. You're talking about a huge, substantial portion of, of the populace. So it's a very, uh, very different uh, from, that, from that perspective, uh, especially up country. Uh, that is away from Nairobi. There is there are significant um, customs of abuse, uh, cultural practices that we would look at as outsiders and say this is clearly wrong. Um, and and you could find an atheist friend who's absolutely against your uh, enforcing your culture on somebody, and then you tell them, okay, but this is what this culture is doing. This is the cultural practice that's going on. And they're like, okay, yeah, that's wrong. That needs to be stopped. I've actually sat with a, an atheist on a bus um, and brought up specific practices of abuse. And they're actually customary. They're normal. Um, and uh, for instance, one, uh, one practice is, is marrying off 12, 13, 14-year-old girls to uh, 60, 70-year-old men. And they have no, no choice, no consent in, in, the, uh, in the issue whatsoever. Uh, so our church has at times been brought in to help in those kinds of, of situations. You find almost the absolute opposite pendulum swing um, usually in our circles in Nairobi. That is to say they've come in from that, and so they have come to the opposite side of, of a very laissez-faire approach to parenting. Uh, so that uh, the, the biggest thing is to get them to school where the teachers will really impart all of the moral instruction, all of the discipline, everything that's needed, and it's not really their responsibility. Uh, and, and some of these kids spend, you know, like 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. They're away from the home in, in their school, um, investing in uh, investing in their education, and their their family really doesn't know what to do with them. Doesn't know um, very rudimentary parenting uh, parenting skills. Uh, so it's a very hands off approach, and so you really get the whole spectrum. Uh, I, I don't know if I've answered the question well. Follow up. Okay. Well, I'll have to let that be the last question. I can pass it off. Uh, do I dismiss or pass it off? Okay, let's dismiss in a word of prayer. Lord, it's been a delight uh, spending some time with your people, updating them about your work in Kenya. Thank you for uh, the opportunity to serve you, uh, whether uh, as a missionary sender or as a missionary goer. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us uh, to prioritize uh, your uh, fame, your reputation, your name. Um, in our own lives. Uh, grant us wisdom and boldness and uh, compassion in serving uh, the gospel in our own communities. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen.